0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. This is Blue Wire.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen. You know him from the internet, from Twitter, from NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group, the king of the dad puns. Kyle, how's it going, man? I think you
2: just said exactly what I want on my team stuff. Really? Yeah. Kyle Madsen from the internet, king of the dad puns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Kyle Madsen from the internet, king of the dad puns. 1990 to 2023-ish.
1: That's kind of morbid.
2: <laughs> of of, Can we get Candles to hey, Chronicle we on just, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, of the Blue Wire okay, Network, for sure. Uh, and then we'll get a... <laughs> And then we'll make sure to get a ship station logo uh, up on there. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, we were just talking game of Thrones. So I wanted to, I wanted to just throw a little bit of dark humor at the top of our, at the top of our pod.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. We were just talking about how we have not signed the petition, uh, of all the angry game of Thrones people who were upset about the way, uh, the show is ending. Um, <laughs> but, but on, on, a on a lighter note, we're, we're going to go through since it's the off season, it's, really sort of the slowest portion of the offseason right now. Uh, we're going to go through, we're going to rank the 10 best or most significant moves the 49ers have made this offseason. And it's not limited to draft picks or uh, free agent signees. There are a couple other developments that, um, that have happened in Santa Clara that, that are notable. And, and we're going to go through those. Uh, one, one thing we do have to say is, is next week, the 49ers will have a a open mini camp practice at some point. Uh, so we'll get to see for the first time really with, with this iteration of the roster together, all in, all in one place at the same time they've been practicing, uh, this last week, but we haven't been privy to those, to those practices. So next week we're expecting to be on the sideline at some point, and we'll have an idea of where guys are lining up, how guys are being used. Uh, where guys are at injury-wise, so we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. But for now, uh, we're going to go through these 10 uh, notable moves. Uh, some some of them might be controversial, depending on your opinion. Um, and let's dive into it. And the first one is a little bit controversial. It's number 10, uh, drafting Mitch Wisnowski, the new punter in the fourth round. Um, we think this is significant, obviously, because... Hunters are important. They can flip field position. If you have a good one, it can be super valuable, particularly, um, you know, if your defense struggles, it's always good to be able to flip field position a little bit. Field position is obviously very important. Um, Kyle, I know you love this Mitch Wisnowski thing. Can you, can you explain a little bit why?
2: Yeah, there, there's more emphasis on field position, I think, from teams than there are from fans. Because field position doesn't count for fantasy points, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, typically come into play in Madden strategy, I, I imagine. So, the Niners have had one of the worst punters in the league in Bradley Pinion, and I'm I'm not trying to drag Bradley Pinion. He was awesome in the community and in the locker room and stuff, but he was not a very good punter. He was in the bottom three or four in the league every year in in punting average, and he was good on kickoffs, but. The 49ers' inability to kind of flip the field sometimes, I, I think, hurt them more than we tend to notice. So, getting a punter like Mitch Wisnowski, who was a finalist for the Ray Guy Award his three years at Utah, and he won it in 2016. He won it right. He won it in 2016. I think is a is a bigger deal than than a lot of people realize. I know it's not flashy. I know it's dumb because punting is is inherently a bad thing. It means that the offense failed and now you have to kick it back to the other team and you're losing a possession. But having a good punter is really important and the 49ers hopefully uh, have one now and they're hoping that he does have that kind of impact because they took him in the fourth round.
1: Yeah, they think he's going to be essentially the next Andy Lee. And remember, we remember how well, how important Andy Lee was to those teams, uh, particularly when the Niners were contending in 2011 through to 2013 uh lee was you know they had a really good defense so being able to flip field position and sort of play to that defense was really important and obviously field position was was a huge factor for the 49ers last year largely because of turnovers they didn't force many turnovers obviously but they also gave away a lot of turnovers which led to a lot of points which sort of skews the, the overall statistics when you you know talk about the defense um it's the highest-drafted punter since 2012. His 47.7 yards per punt in 2016 would have ranked top three in the NFL last season. Uh, his 45.7 average for his college career would have ranked top 10. And we know uh, kicking in Utah, there's a little bit of an elevation uh, factor there. But I think if the 40, if Mitch Wisnowski is as good as the 49ers believe he's going to be, he should be one of the three or four best punters in the league. So um, that's, that's, our, that's our number 10 most, most significant or best um, move the 49ers have made this offseason. Number nine, signing cornerback Jason Verrett. It's a one-year, $3 million deal, $1 million fully guaranteed, another $1.5 in per-game roster bonuses. Obviously, there are a lot of injury concerns. He's played in five games since the start of 2016, um, but we've seen him make the Pro Bowl. Uh, playing in a defense very similar to what the 49ers run and the 49ers think, even though he's coming off an Achilles tear from last July during a conditioning test, if he's healthy, he should be good enough to start. And if he is, if he does play to that level and provides a significant upgrade over what we saw from Akella Witherspoon and Tarvarius Moore last year opposite Richard Sherman, then it could go a long way toward improving the secondary.
2: Yeah, and I think not only at the top of the depth chart, but then – I think that helps a lot in the bottom of the depth chart too, because if you have a player like Akella Witherspoon and Tavarius Moore battling for a starting job with a guy who's a Pro Bowl caliber player, that should theoretically make those young guys better. And if they're losing out on a job because they have a Pro Bowler in front of them, I think, like I said, that only not only that not only makes the Niners better on the field, but I think that helps Witherspoon and Moore. Uh, improve should Verrett go down with an injury which he has in four of his five NFL seasons so I I really like the signing when it happened I would like it even more if he can find his way onto the field and if he turns into a pro if he if he comes back and is by what would essentially be a miracle a pro bowl caliber cornerback in his first year off an Achilles injury and Niners defense suddenly looks a lot more formidable. Absolutely. And we've talked a lot about
1: the secondary this offseason and the fact that they haven't invested really any premium resources uh, in the secondary. So Jason Verrett, obviously a big injury question mark, a lot of upside there if he is healthy, but obviously the health is a big concern. And and the 49ers are hoping, too, that, that Witherspoon and Moore can can further their development and, uh, and, and, you know, make good on their, on their draft selections th- in the third round, both, you know, 2016 and, or 2017 and 2018, respectively. Uh, number eight, this might be a little surprising how low this is, but I think it's just the fact that, you know, it's, it's Quan Alexander signing him to a four-year, $54 million deal, uh, $14.25 million guaranteed at signing, meaning essentially only the first year of the contract is guaranteed, which means, the 49ers could get out of it beyond this year if it doesn't go well. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's uh, coming off an ACL tear in the middle of last season. We don't know when he's going to be available, if he's going to be available for the start of training camp, if he's going to have to open the season on an injured list. Um, that's a definitely a big question mark. But in terms of fit for the defense, uh, you know, he's 24 years old. He's young. He's athletic. He's one of the fastest linebackers in football. You talk about trying to replace Reuben Foster and, and what he brought to the defense when he was healthy and he was, and he was playing well, the 49ers and Quan Alexander can do a lot of the same things. That being said, if the best thing about this contract is you can get out of it early. Um, I think that's problematic. And, you know, like the, the 49ers need Alexander to play at a pro bowl level to justify giving him, you know, $14 million this year. Coming off that ACL tear. And they're, you know, they believe that he's going to be a long-term answer uh, at, at Will linebacker replacing Foster. He's actually younger than Foster, even though he's more experienced. Um, so it's it's another one of those, like Verette, like a high upside, um, a high upside signing, but potentially a lot of injury risk. But given that upside, we have him
2: at number eight. I think he could be a sneaky, impactful player because A lot of the a lot of the rub with him when they signed was a the dollar amount that he got and b his high number of missed tackles, which was obviously a huge issue for the 49ers defense last year. But his ability to create turnovers by being around the football, being fast, being able to play in coverage, the Niners linebackers got torched, uh, save Fred Warner. He was he was good in coverage, but the Niners uh, other linebackers got torched in coverage last year. So having a guy who's athletic enough to play coverage and who plays this aggressive style, Kyle Shanahan talked about that aggressive, violent style of football and how that can lead to turnovers and takeaways for the defense. I think that's where he'll be a super impactful player. and I I think if it means missing the first four or five games or six games or however many games it's going to take to get him on the field 100% and able to play, that style that they want him to play. I think it'll be, I think it'll be well worth it because they do need somebody who just by being athletic can go make a play. And I think Quan Alexander is is a guy who can do that.
1: Yeah. One of the best coverage linebackers in football when he's healthy Um, and 22 pass breakups in four seasons is a really good number for that position. Six forced fumbles, six interceptions. Obviously the, the turnover issues the 49ers have had on defense of have been discussed at length. So they think Alexander not only fits a scheme, but but could help them take the ball away, which, which would be huge for the defense. Uh, number seven, drafting Jalen Hurd, the wide receiver, former running back, uh, sort of a a multifaceted, you know, quote unquote chess piece guy. We don't know exactly how he's gonna be used. He's gonna start as as a receiver. He's about 6'5, 230 pounds right now when he was a running back for Tennessee. Uh, he was in the 250 pound range and the 49ers really like the idea of his versatility. And and it looks like he's going to grow into sort of an H-back role. We talked about it a lot in a previous episode, but sort of think what, you know, what Delaney Walker was to Vernon Davis, Jalen Hurd might be that kind of compliment to George Kittle and offer the 49ers a unique weapon they haven't really had before. And coming off a year when they were the worst team in the NFL in terms of red zone efficiency, and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's absence had a lot to do with that. But getting another, you know, a big six-five guy who could provide mismatch isu- issues in the passing game and be a goal line threat as a as a running back is is really unique. Um, there there are questions, obviously, about you know injury stuff. He had shoulder injuries in college. One of the reasons why he switched to receiver from running back were those shoulder injuries he transferred from Tennessee um that wasn't the cleanest break there was a conflict there with the coaching staff but the 49ers believe that Hurd has passed all that that he's going to be a really valuable asset to the offense
2: Matt Barrows wrote a really good piece that that piqued my interest on on Hurd about his work ethic when he got to Baylor and he talked to Barrows talked to Baylor's head coach Matt Rule about about Herd's transition from running back to receiver. And the thing that really stood out was the number of things that rule pointed out that Herd did to get better at receiver, staying after practice to catch balls from a jugs machine because his hands weren't great, working on tracking the ball over his shoulder because he wasn't very good at tracking the ball. And I think if he's going to succeed the way the 49ers want him to, that work ethic is going to really come into play. Because to maximize himself as the offensive weapon they want him to be, there are things he's going to have to get better at. He's going to have to become a more refined pass catcher. He's going to have to become a more polished route runner. And I think we'll, we'll start to see that. But if he does do those things, if he transfers that work ethic over and has an NFL coaching staff that can identify the things that he's not doesn't excel at, I think that he has a chance to become like one of the most unique offensive players in the league. And he's lucky in that he comes to a 49ers team with a head coach that isn't going to pigeonhole him into, hey, you're 6'5", 225, you're an outside receiver, and make him do a bunch of stuff he's not good at. We talk about this all the time going into the draft. Like, what? tell me what a guy can do, not what he can't do. And I think right now there's a lot of things Hurd can do that Shanahan will make sure that he's doing that will that will turn him into a very very good player right away but he's eventually I think going to be maximized into the type of player that is is uniquely effective in ways that that not a lot of players ever have been in the NFL
1: yeah and and we've talked about it too that Shanahan is really good at getting players in space so they could excel with with you know the ball in their hands after the catch Right and Hurd being a former running back could be really valuable in the screen game, those misdirection play action passes where he leaks out to to the flat and has you know 15 yards of space in front of him, um, you know maybe using George Kittle as sort of a decoy could open things up for him. You talk you know with Kevin Clark of of the Ringer talks about this a lot and it's a point that I think is really interesting is is positionless football, right? You just, and he talks about it on defense a lot, right? Like somebody like Derwin James, for example, is somebody who is a really good blitzer off the edge. Some say he was one of the best, one of the better pass rushers in his draft class two years ago, despite playing strong safety. He could also play deep because he's, you know, he's fast and athletic enough to play free safety and he could basically cover anybody. When you're talking about an offensive player, maybe Jalen Hurd could be that type of guy, and he was a third round pick. This this isn't you know this isn't a this isn't the 17th player drafted like James was. But when you start talking about positionless football and just somebody who can be game plan specific and can help you exploit matchups no matter who you're going against, I think that's something the 49ers really lacked, and it, and it's a really unique opportunity for Kyle Shanahan to to develop somebody within that role. The question I have is you know, is it going to be too much for him? Is it going to be, are, are they going to overload him with all these different responsibilities, playing all these different positions, whether it's H back, slot receiver, running back, outside receiver, tight end? Um, is he going to be able to digest all that and do all of that uh, in his first year? Because we've seen it, that, that it's a complex offense and there, there's a lot of stuff to do, you know, pre-snap based on defensive alignment. There's a lot of stuff to do post-snap. So when you're learning all of these things, and George Kittle talked about it too, he was really just just really trying to figure everything out on the fly as a rookie, and then things sunk in his second season, and then you saw him really excel. So, what what how are they gonna how are they gonna handle Hurd's Hurd's workload and his all of his responsibilities? So that's going to be interesting. So he's he's number seven. Um, I think we like the the idea of Jalen Hurd a little bit more than uh, than I think you know the the national pundits or uh, analysts just because they they looked at the 49ers needs in the secondary and said well why not you know address the secondary there given how bad in coverage they were but um, overall for the long run I, I think Jalen Hurd could be a, a really intriguing
2: weapon for Kyle Shanahan so yeah. and and one la- one last thing on that I think something you mentioned there is important I'm not sure if we'll see the maximized version of Hurd at any point this year in fact, we may see games where he only sees like like five or six snaps. Right. For all the things that you mentioned. This this is so complicated and they're going to ask him to do so many things. But I think starting in year two and in year three, we're going to see a much, much better version of, like you said, of a Delaney Walker type of player who just does a little bit of everything. And that that should be that should be pretty exciting for the Niners offense.
1: Yeah. So number six is the signing of Tevin Coleman. Um, a two-year eight and a half million dollar deal he's the 16th highest paid running back amount per year uh, among among running backs throughout the league um, obviously has experience with Kyle Shanahan Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in, in Atlanta in 2015 when Coleman was drafted um, he's had since his rookie year for, in terms of yards from scrimmage he's had 941 927 and then last year uh, 1,076, and he scored uh, 11 touchdowns, 8 touchdowns, and 9 touchdowns, all those numbers. Um, I mean, I, I without going back and looking each year, I think he would have led the Niners in each of those three seasons in touchdowns. I mean, just, just a running back you can get for a cheap price who knows the system, who can start or be somebody off the bench to compliment the other guys. Uh, I just think it's really valuable and pretty affordable, and it's it's hard to f- find anything bad to say about this about this addition, particularly given all the injuries the 49ers dealt with last year at running back, and mainly Jarek McKinnon, who didn't play the entire year because he suffered that ACL tear a week before the season opener.
2: Yeah, this is such a fascinating thing because the 49ers aren't the only offense in the NFL that uses their running backs a lot as pass catchers. This is just the thing that's kind of happening more and more in the NFL. And the fact that Tevin Coleman was just available that late in free agency for two years, eight and a half million dollars, is mind-boggling. His his sixteen game averages the last three years: one hundred and sixty carries, seven hundred eight yards, six touchdowns, thirty three catches for three sixty two and four touchdowns. Those are really freaking good numbers, and he was just there for cheap. Uh, this is. The only the only thing you can say, I think, negative about this signing is, well, the Niners have a bunch of running backs, but having too many effective running backs sounds like a really good problem to have. So I'm I'm right there with you. This is this is probably because of the other effective running backs that they have. I think this kid's pushed down the list, but if you're just looking for pure quality and value of a move, I have a really hard time finding a better one than Coleman.
1: Yeah. If, if you're, if you look at this and say the 49ers have too many running backs, I'll remind you that Alfred Morris got a significant amount of playing time last year and the 49ers had to promote two running backs throughout the year, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Matt Days off the practice squad. So in getting Coleman, you have somebody who can start or be a secondary player, uh, a a, a primary backup, I should say. And, you know, somebody who provides depth to an important position because we know how important the running game and play action is to Kyle Shanahan's offense, and being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so Coleman could be a really significant, significant piece of the offense last year. Hey Kyle, hey Chris, uh, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. They can Boy, be time- let me tell you, <laughs> they can be time-consuming, expensive. There are so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's that's why you need shipstation.com. It's mm. the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter how or no matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Candlestick Chronicles listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all major carriers including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's for blue wire. Uh, that's ShipStation.com. Then enter the promo code blue. ShipStation. Make ship happen. I love that pun at
2: the end. That's that's it's so good. Like... <laughs> It's so strong because it's just sitting right there, and I know a lot of people think that's low-hanging fruit that they're just going to go grab. But it's really good low-hanging fruit that I think gets ignored a lot of the time for for some I, I I don't know. But make ship happen is so good. Shout out to Ship Station for that awesome tagline. That's not in the read. That's free. That was for free. That I just did. That you're welcome.
1: Are coconuts fruit or are they nuts?
2: I think my <laughs> brain just died <laughs> I did, we, we, we not, had an not argument a on Twitter for about sure, co- not a nut.
1: We, we had an argument on Twitter about coconut water today Kyle doesn't like it because Kyle's weird so back to our list uh number five making oh, Joe seed. woods
0: it's a Sorry, seed so
1: it's not a fruit okay fair enough uh making Joe number five in our list the top 10 most intriguing slash best developments for the 49ers this offseason season making Joe Woods a secondary coach slash passing game coordinator. Uh, he was the Broncos defensive coordinator the last two seasons last year, the passing defense ranked 20th, but they had the fifth most interceptions with 17. Obviously the 49ers set an NFL record for the fewest interceptions with just two. So if they could get 17 picks this year, I think they would be sitting in a pretty good spot. Um, you know, nobody has, has told me exactly, you know, no one has really diagnosed what was wrong with the 49ers secondary last year, but I think it's, it's pretty easy to see just in tracking everything that happened that, you know, starting eight different combinations of safeties due to injuries was, was problematic. Having a revolving door opposite Richard Sherman, um, with, you know, Jimmy Ward, Akella Witherspoon, Tavarius Moore, rotating in and out because of inconsistent play and or injuries. There was just not a ton of continuity in the back end. Pair that, all of that with, with a, you know, pretty mediocre pass rush and you're, you're going to have problems. And I think um, it all sort of bled into becoming a perfect storm uh, for the 49ers defense. So getting fresh blood in the coaching staff, uh, somebody who's experienced somebody who uh, I mean, Joe, Joe Woods got benefited from, Having Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, arguably the two best, the the best pass rushing duo or one of the best pass rushing duos in the NFL, helping create all those turnovers, I think the 49ers are hoping, obviously, to, to get the same thing with Nick Bosa and D Ford this year. And so Joe Woods being in the secondary, being the secondary coach now and the passing game coordinator uh, with coordinator Robert Sala, I think should help
2: pretty significantly. I think so too, and sometimes you'll see that just the different presentation of information can really help a player develop, and maybe there's something Joe Woods can say or offer to the secondary that makes something click and, see, and helps clean up some of the communication issues they have, or maybe there's something technique wise that he sees that, that the previous coaching staff, the previous coach didn't. So I think that having, having such an experienced uh, set of eyes to look at the 49ers defense and to help out Robert Sala and to try and clean up some of the issues in the passing, uh, in the past defenses is, is certainly a wise move and one that I think should help. Even if the 49ers didn't address the personnel on the field, having, a new coach in that area should in theory help quite a bit.
1: Yeah, we're in agreement there. So number four, uh, drafting Debo Samuel, second round pick number 36 overall from South Carolina wide receiver. Um, you and I talked about it leading up to the draft that, that we both felt that Samuel was sort of a perfect fit for Shanahan's offense. He's really good after the catch, arguably, the best receiver in the draft after the catch in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Um, a very good route runner, good speed, uh versatile, played a lot in the slot in college, tough, not, not scared to go over the middle, uh, just sort of everything you want from that that Z receiver in Kyle Shanahan's offense to replace Pierre Garcon. And with with Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis, you see the makings of of a pretty nice receiving core or atop the receiving core. And then you throw in Marquise Goodwin, Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, um, getting all these guys more experience is going to be really important. But, uh, I think Samuel could, you know, could be a really important player to the offense. He's even, as a rookie, um, the 49ers liked him early on at the senior bowl. Uh, I think this one's that doesn't really require a lot of analysis. It was receiver was a pressing need and, and Samuel has, the skill set that that Kyle Shanahan is looking for.
2: Right. And I hate saying stuff like this because it's so hard to quantify and it's such a just like just watch the game thing to say, but the 49ers last year to me lacked playmakers on the perimeter. George Kittle was obviously a, a playmaker. We saw it time and time again that the, you could just get him the ball anywhere on the field and and he's going to go make a play. I feel like they didn't have anyone else especially at receiver who could go do that. We saw it a little bit from Dante Pettis when he was healthy, but he was obviously a little banged up throughout the year. I think Debo Samuel is the kind of player that anywhere on the field, you just get the ball in his hands. And like you said, he's so good after the catch that he's just going to go make a play for you. Third and 13, you throw him just a quick little slant and maybe he turns it into a first down. And now what turned into a punt last year, the drive continues. I think he's he's the perfect receiver for this offense. He's going to provide, I think, something different from Pierre Garçon, but in a good way. They're certainly not the same player, but I think he has the skill set to do a lot of what Pierre Garçon did while uh, being maybe even better after the catch, which I think could be really valuable. So uh, the the Debo Samuel pick might wind up being their best pick of the draft, especially if he comes out in in year one and and really dominates.
1: Agreed. So number three, uh, and this is this, this could end up being number one.
2: I think this might Um, be number one.
1: It well it depends on how it goes. It could go, it could go great. It could go horrendously. Um, It can't be much worse than it's been the last two years. So we're talking about number three, the 49ers changing their strength, conditioning and medical staff. Uh, they brought in Ben Peterson to be the head of player health and performance. This isn't something we've talked a whole lot about, but it's going to be super important this year, particularly given how reliant the 49ers are going to be on guys with either you know lengthy injury histories or coming off injuries uh, this offseason. We, we already touched on Quan Alexander, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Jimmy Ward, probably their starting free safety, has had a ton of injury issues. Eric Armstead has had a lot of injury stuff. D. Ford has some injury stuff in his background. Jason Verrett, obviously. Um, there, there are probably more guys. I mean, Weston Richburg is coming off knee and quad surgery. Uh, Laken Tomlinson is coming off an MCL injury. So you, you can look up and down the, the starting lineup or the projected starting lineup and, and find guys coming off significant injuries. So Ben Peterson, the new head of player, and health, player health and performance, uh, is, is going to be one of the most important people in the entire organization in 2019. Um, a little bit of background, he spent two years as the head of sports science with the Philadelphia Flyers of the NHL. Uh, his background is in contextual analytics, measuring training loads and biomarkers. So essentially he's the 49ers believe this is somebody who's sort of on the cutting edge of, you know, sports science, whether it's using analytics. Um, you know, but I, I, I am not a doctor. I I can't even begin to try to dive into this thing, but it's, it's, it's a very progressive hire in terms of what they're doing. And, and, uh, he's it was important what what Peterson is is being brought in to do basically is is run the entire uh, medical and strength training operation whereas previously you had a head trainer uh, Jeff Ferguson who worked with Ray Wright who was the head of strength and conditioning now you have one guy sort of overseeing it all so now you have Dustin Little who was brought in to replace Ferguson as the head athletic trainer He spent the last five years with the Denver Broncos um And then Dustin Perry, one of Ray Wright's top assistants last year in the strength and conditioning program, is now the lead strength and conditioning coach. Um, so what the 49ers are hoping Ben Peterson can do is sort of get everybody working on the same page um, and and get everyone collaborating and and working together, rowing the boat in the same direction on injury with injured guys and getting guys to you know, monitoring their workloads, doing everything you need to do to maximize the bodily functions from all these guys in terms of playing football. And the 49ers have had, I mean, they, in 2017, they had 20 players on injured reserve. Last year, they had 25 players on injured reserve or sorry, that's mixed up. 2017, they had 25 players on IR. Last year, they had 20 on injured reserve accounting for 52, 57.2 million in salary was on injured reserve last year and 37 million of that was Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, but, uh, imagine, I mean, that's, that's like a third of their payroll essentially. Right. was having 50, 57.2 million on, on IR. So they have to correct that. They have to be healthy if they want to compete for a playoff spot this year. And I think we're going
2: to learn really quickly how important or how I guess effective this training staff is because you have Jimmy Garoppolo coming off his ACL tear. You have, Jarek McKinnon coming off his ACL tear. You have Quan Alexander, newly signed linebacker, we talked about earlier, coming off an ACL tear. You have Richard Sherman in year two coming off Achilles surgery. You have Jason Verrett coming off an Achilles injury. You have several other players who had offseason procedures or were finishing the season on IR who could potentially be impact players this year. And their rehab and getting them back not only onto the field but keeping them on the field once they're back is going to be vital like that's that's why we said leading into this that this could be number one by the end of the year if this turns out to be effective if this kind of new way to view player strength and conditioning and 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 health turns out to be effective this could be the most important things and the thing the Niners do all offseason because like John Lynch says the best ability is availability and if they are able to keep their players on the field, for the most part, I think they have a roster that's good enough to contend. If if you wind up with Jimmy Garoppolo sidelined again for an extended period of time, or you wind up with another banged up receiving core, banged up secondary, I don't think the Niners can compete. Totally agreed.
1: So number two on our list, we're getting down to to uh, the nitty gritty here.
2: Um, I know people are like waiting
1: with like on the edge of their seats right now. They could probably figure it out what, what the first two are. Um, so number two, uh, we went trading and signing D Ford, uh, trading for D Ford. They signed him to a five year, $85 million deal. 20.5 million is fully guaranteed. There's 45 million in injury protection. Essentially it's similar to the Quan Alexander contract in, in the sense that the 49ers could get out of it after this season. If it doesn't work out, um, as long as, as he's healthy, Um, but I think they think he's, he's going to be around or they're banking on him being around for the next five seasons. Um, Quan Alexander or sorry, T Ford led the NFL in forced fumbles last year with seven, uh, according to NFL next gen stats, he accounted for most, uh, turnover worthy plays as a pass rusher, whether that be pressuring a quarterback and forcing an interception or forced fumbles. Uh, those type of things. Obviously, the 49ers' takeaway issues have been well documented. We've talked a lot about it. Um, just finally getting a, a speed rusher off the edge. They're going to play that wide nine scheme. D Ford should be a significant part of it. Uh, and if he plays like he did last year and he remains healthy, which is, which is a question mark with him, he had back surgery two years ago, this could be one of the biggest signings in the NFL if the 49ers find themselves in the run for
2: a playoff spot. Yeah. I don't even think he needs to be as productive statistically as he was last year, just getting quarterbacks off their spot, making them uncomfortable. The 49ers were so bad at that last year and they needed to go make a splash and they did with D Ford. And I agree with you that if this signing works out, it could be one of the best moves of the off season for, for many teams.
1: And they gave up a 2020 second round pick. So if if you're a second round pick you know if you, if you were to say if you're to draft somebody in the second round and and that guy was going to come in and give you 10 sacks and you know force four fumbles and and really pressure quarterbacks and force them to make some bad decisions that's totally a good value a good trade off absolutely uh, the money is kind of a lot but i mean that's why you accumulate as much cap space as the 49ers have and it's a flexible contract that they can renegotiate down the line um, they it's, it's, you know, aside from the injury risk stuff and, and D Ford isn't exactly known for being a good run defender, but I think they have, you know, guys like Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, who you can put on the edge in, in early running downs to sort of compensate for that. Uh, I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good trade. It's a lot of money, but that's the going rate for pass rushers. And it's something the 49ers frankly needed to do, uh, because the pass rush didn't do enough to help the secondary last year which leads us to our number one move of the offseason for the 49ers. Uh, no surprise drafting Nick Bosa number two overall, um, arguably the best defensive prospect in the draft. Uh, a guy 49ers fans have, have circled for probably more than a year going back to his impressive sophomore season at Ohio state. Um, really good overall three down defensive end, really strong, really quick uh, explodes off the ball. Um, a lot of people think he's one of the most refined technicians in terms of hand placement and hand usage of any pass rusher coming out, maybe since his brother, Joey, um, the, the clear question is like a lot of these guys is health. He had core muscle surgery last season, but I I think overall it's a slam dunk pick for them at number two and having Nick Bosa and D. Ford now. To play, you know, to complement DeForest Buckner on the inside, and you start to see the the makings of potentially a, a really good defense.
2: I want the listeners to know that I argued hard for signing undrafted free agent Wilton Spate to go at this spot, but Chris overruled me and went with Nick Bosa. And I guess I agree with all the things you said about him being a three-down edge rusher, who again, like like we talked about with D Ford he doesn't need to go be a 20 sack a year guy, and he probably never will be. But if he's getting double digit sacks and forcing turnovers both directly and indirectly by forcing fumbles or forcing quarterbacks to throw earlier than they want to, then this is a great pick. And the Niners are hoping that they're getting a defensive player of the year caliber player. And if he is that and a perennial pro bowler, the Niners defense all the way around gets better by him being on the field.
1: Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan said it in December. He said, you know, what quarterbacks are in terms of being valuable to an offense is what defensive ends can be as as value in terms of the value they provide to their defense. Right. So now the 49ers have two potentially uh, double digit sack guys with Bosa and Ford and DeForest Buckner coming off a 12 sack season and a Pro Bowl appearance last year. Uh, you could see, you know, the 49ers are are banking on these guys being good. And I think it's, it's fair to say that they will be barring injury, of course. Um, and maybe all this talk about the secondary and them not investing any, you know, premium resources in the secondary. Maybe that's going to be all moot because the 49ers are going to be bothering quarterbacks so much that it's not really going to matter. And they're going to force turnovers that way. Um, so. That's it. That's our top 10. We'll we'll go back through it real quick. Number 10, drafting punter Mitch Wisnowski. Number nine, signing Jason Verrett. Eight, getting Quan Alexander. Seven, drafting Jalen Hurd. Six, signing Tevin Coleman. Five, making Joe Woods the new secondary coach. Four, drafting Debo Samuel. That's Debo Samuel. Uh, Number three, changing the strength, conditioning, and medical staff. Uh, Number two, trading for D Ford. And number one, drafting Nick Bosa so if you don't like our lists and all your complaints to Kyle don't do that and... for sure don't do that <laughs> no actually uh b- behind the curtain I've turned my mentions off so I I usually don't see uh see things oh, that people write good. to me so if you're if you write to me on Twitter and I don't respond I either haven't seen it or I'm just ignoring you or you've already been muted um <laughs> just a heads up that's fun, I right? I guess
2: we'll save the Wilton Spate breakdown for the next pod. 40 minutes <laughs> we'll, on former we'll save Michigan it and UCLA quarterback Wilton Spate.
1: We'll, we'll save that for December when he's when he's starting games. <laughs> and, uh, don't say and that. Hey, don't say that through three starters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've, we've seen three starters the last, the last two years. Third time's um, so a charm. It's, it's not... Out of the realm of possibility, let's put it that way. Oh.
2: <laughs> We've said too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. On that note, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please give us reviews. Please write down some reviews. Give us five stars. That's that's always super helpful. Our bosses get happy when when they see stuff like that. Uh, And we'll talk to you guys next week.